0: well hello 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 yourself hello hello hello
1: fucking british I get that accent out of my system
0: mr napkin head
1: oh god <laughs>
0: Well, hello, and welcome to Bromancing the Stone. It's the podcast for myself, Renee Sanchez, and my good buddy, Max Lyon.
1: What's up, everyone?
0: Watch rom-coms, and then record our thoughts and post them on the internet for the tens of tens of listeners. Listening pleasure. And Max, how are you doing today?
1: I'm good. I'm good. I'm bored as fuck. I mean i say that
0: every episode that uh you know
1: 2020 we're bored but um
0: yeah yeah we're bored because we're actually heeding the warnings of those who uh, have told us to stay inside because we're actually being responsible that's true
1: yeah i mean that's why it's boring guys i've had friends tell me that like oh i i went to you know i went to another state to go skiing for you know a few days and it's like i don't there's no way you could get me on an airplane right now like there's no way
0: yeah i no definitely not <laughs> just i couldn't like i thought about it at the end of the summer i was thinking like eh, maybe like a quick trip somewhere in the fall would be kind of fun like a quick weekend trip to like vegas or something mm-hmm. and then that I thought about it. I'm just like, I don't want to be sitting on an airplane with a mask on for four and a half hours.
1: Dude. I didn't even like doing totally. it when I took the the road trip. Cause that's like, I was getting antsy at that point too, in October where I was like, I, that's when I did the little road trip around Lake Michigan. And even then, like yeah. the whole time it was constantly on my mind and I didn't sleep the whole trip. Cause I was like, I don't want to touch anything. I got to wipe everything down with disinfectants. I don't trust the hotels. I don't trust like fucking gas station pump like that like anything like anything you're doing mm-hmm. along the trip you're constantly mm-hmm. thinking about it from that perspective
0: yes 100 uh-huh. percent, i agree and i'm right there with you oh, um, you know it, it just it's- sounds like once this is all done we're gonna need to go on a holiday <laughs> speaking of we watched The Holiday this week. I mean, it, <laughs> I mean... There
1: were other ways we could have let into
0: that. I mean, I felt like that was pretty obvious right there. Um, so, we are continuing on with our holiday month, holiday film month here. Uh, and we're watching another one of the, uh, the movies that I watch every Christmas season. Um, they're There are three that I watch, and we reviewed one last year. It was our our second episode, Love Actually, which we might have something for that movie this Christmas. We might. We might. We We might. might. We we might. might. People might want to make sure that they're subscribed on Apple Podcasts or follow the podcast on Spotify because they may see something this Friday if you are listening to when this comes out on Monday the 21st. On Friday the twenty fifth, there might be something there for you. Yeah, you know, with involving love actually. Just, just just putting it out there. Just putting it out there. But, just putting it out there. But um, you know, but um, along with love actually, I always watch this movie as well every Christmas, which is the holiday. Um it it came out in two thousand six and I've I remember watching it when it first came out in theaters with my mom and uh, and it was just immediately like uh yeah, that was that was just that was a fun rom com. That's just it hits it hits all the notes you want a rom com to hit. Um, for me at least. So that's kind of a spoiler for what I'm gonna <laughs> say at the end of this as well. But Max, uh this was your second time watching it, correct?
1: Yeah, I think I watched it also when it first came out. Uh maybe when it first came out on D V D um which speaking of which holy shit the dvd collection in this movie is
0: i know the dvd collection i watched this on dvd today uh and as a throwback because it's uh it was either red tip from amazon Prime or you know i have the dvd i have my book of dvds as you've seen i mean um, i still have i
1: still have a couple shelves of my dvd collection that i proudly display in my living room and i'm like i, I don't actually even use these like i I have most of them downloaded somewhere, you know, digitally, or I watch them when they come on cable or something. I never actually use the DVDs, but, and yet I am proud to have them. I'm like, yes, Yes. this is my collection.
0: And it also just uh, the technology in general, not only DVDs, but also flip phones and paper maps and everything like that in this film. Well, it's, It's very,
1: it's very quintessential, uh, stuff to our generation stuff that we grew up with
0: yes toward the this was see it was 2006 so this was freshman year of college
1: yeah right. or, or senior break. wait when did it go oh, december 2006 so yeah senior yes. or freshman year of college yeah.
0: yeah yeah well let's talk a little more about the stats of this film here so It's a 2006 romantic comedy film written, produced, and directed by Nancy Myers. We're popping our Nancy Myers cherry. We'll definitely go back to Nancy Myers uh, next year. Uh, She's made a lot of rom-coms, including uh, Something's Gotta Give, which is another huge one. uh, Mm. And one that has Keanu Reeves in it, so you can revisit Keanu Reeves in the future. Uh, But uh, it's co-produced by Bruce A. Block. I don't know why that's put there. Uh, It was filmed in both California and England, surprisingly. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) It stars Kate Winslet and Cameron Diaz as Iris and Amanda, two lovelorn women from opposite sides of the Atlantic Ocean who arrange a home exchange to escape heartbreak during the Christmas and holiday season. Jude Law and Jack Black were cast as the film's leading men, Graham and Miles, and with Eli Wallach, who plays uh, Arthur Shannon Sossaman, who plays Maggie, Edward Birds, who plays Ethan, and Rufus Sewell, who plays Jasper, uh, all playing key supporting roles. Uh, And also, that home exchange, Uh, let's just go ahead and get it out of the way. Yes, Airbnb exists now, and basically, (laughs) you wouldn't have to go through this at all. Um, (laughs) Currently... We talked about how DVDs and flip phones and paper maps were being used in this film. So you have to just go with it. We're just this is that this is all we're gonna say about that plot hole. This is all we're gonna say about that whole entire exchange.
1: Even when I saw it the first time, that I think that's the only thing that I really took away from the movie to this day was going, the fuck? Did this stuff
0: actually exist? Did people just swap homes like that? No. No, this didn't exist, all right? You throw logic out the window when it comes to how these two leads end up in England and California, respectively. All right. We're just we're not gonna focus on that. All right. So quit asking. <laughs> That's the uh, suspension of
1: disbelief that you have to give to rom-coms anyway. That's...
0: Exactly. In, in this, this rom-com, movie... that's
1: how it manifests itself. And this
0: movie earns that damn suspension like it was caught with steroids, all right? So you just <laughs> give that suspension of disbelief. So um, <clears throat> the film came out in New York in November twenty on uh, November 29th, 2006, and then in the UK and uh, the US. It was wide released on December 8th, 2006. Uh, can you guess the running time for the film? Mm, 2.05. It is 2 hours and 16 minutes. Ooh. Yeah, it
1: definitely was a long one.
0: It was a long one. I think there's a lot of, about the movie that I like and a lot that I think, you know, deserves to be in there. But there are also some scenes that if we weren't watching it together and watching it for you know, the podcast that I would have fast-forwarded through. Um I usually fast-forward through the whole breakup scene at the very beginning between Amanda and Ethan because I think it's horribly acted between Cameron Diaz and Edward Burns. Um
1: Ooh, yeah, yeah.
0: Those two... uh <laughs> Those two acting after Kate Winslet gives a bravo performance of her heartbreak to learning that Jasper's engaged. You go from that to Cameron Diaz saying, I don't think you ever loved me. How about that? It's just yeah i can I can cry if I want to. yeah, that, yeah, that.
1: I mean, I get that maybe they were trying to uh, to show a contrast between their two mm-hmm. lifestyles and say like, oh, you know, Kate Winslet's character is so emotionally invested in her life, whereas Cameron Diaz lives out a very superficial joke of a fucking life in terms of relationships. Yeah. And, so
0: and that's how that's how Amanda knows that this is something real with Graham at the end of the movie. I mean, right. She starts crying and she realizes she's emotionally invested. That's how she figures out, oh yeah, this is something. But yep. at the same time, you have to show her breaking up with Ethan. I get that. You have to show that in order to Give a reason as to why she would even go with this home exchange because you know the reason why Iris is doing it, but at the same time, the scene is not well written and it's not well acted, it's just clunky. So,
1: yeah, yeah, that's always that
0: saves some time. And you know what else would save some time? Not seeing Kate Winslet dance to Are You Gonna Be My Girl by Jet. That's I don't need to see that, yeah, you know, but I understand that kind of breaks up the scenes, though. You kind of need a scene to break up between. Uh, you know Amanda and Graham waking up, and then Graham inviting her to the pub, and then Amanda changing her mind and actually going to the pub. So that scene break that even though it's short and it's unnecessary does break up the storylines. I get why they put it in there. It still sucks. It's yeah.
1: There's a million ways you could have accomplished the same result.
0: Yeah, I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Or you could have just not put the scene in there and just. Because they were quick montages as far as when they actually get together. But nonetheless. uh, The budget for the film. Mm. (laughs) Are you ready for the budget for this film? Yeah. $85 million. What? They spent. 85 million dollars on making this film that's how that's not even a remotely rom-com figure that is astronomical that is Jeez, possibly the God. most expensive rom-com that we've reviewed i think it might uh, be yeah it i mean because how to lose a guy in 10 days and like those films were right around 50 this one was $85 million. Jesus. I mean, you're getting four well-known actors. So automatically, that's probably at least a third of the budget, if not half of it right there that's... in just getting, because all four of those actors were at their prime peak. Like Kate yeah. Winslet yep. was off of like Academy Award nominations and was like in starring in films like Revolutionary Road and like, all that other sort of shit, or was it was a revolutionary, whatever the fuck. Mol- I don't know. <laughs> well, that was that was a decade before this movie.
1: Thank um, God she flew over to L.A. <laughs>
0: uh,
1: uh, <laughs> that's no all we need to say on that.
0: <laughs> yeah, no icebergs in the air there. Then no um, that's not a comedy, so we won't be doing that film uh, on this podcast. Uh, I beg
1: to differ. So there the, are scenes in it that are very hilarious.
0: Uh, yeah, like when he draws her. No, uh, uh, Cameron Diaz coming off of the Charlie's Angels movies, so she's a huge name at this point. Yep. Jude Jude Law kind like was well known at this point as well. Yeah, I think he's pretty well um, known. Yeah, just the leading man who's just well known for being a leading man. And then Jack Black, which this is after you know Shallow Al and you know other movies so he's like just now burgeoning into being a leading man so he's most easily the cheapest out of the four but at the same time probably still bringing in seven figures for this movie um so I mean, these are four like well known actors who probably got well paid for this and then on top of that you have to film in two different areas (laughs) in California and England and you know find those locations and everything else so
1: yeah, he's. He I was, see
0: where the money's spent. Even Jack
1: Black it. was straight out of like a shit ton of movies before that that I didn't even realize were popular. Yes, like, I mean, Nacho Libre was before that. I guess that's yeah the the main one of his main ones. Nacho. Um I mean, yeah, he he was in oh my god Shark Tale. Fuck, you remember that movie? Yeah. Jesus, that was bad. All right.
0: <laughs> but uh it was also distributed five million. Jeez. It was distributed by Columbia Pictures in the United States and by the Universal Pictures in the United Kingdom. So there were two separate studios who distributed it, though they both kind of footed the bill half and mm. half. So that might be why they were able to get so much money
1: probably from
0: this. Um Yeah, I think they were just trying to be like, we want something worldwide. We want to hit worldwide box office, not just, you know, and we want to make a holiday film and we want to have big names and everything else. So both of them were just like, well, we would spend, I mean, if How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days got 50, what if we both put 40 up and like, and see if we can make it back, you know? So they both basically put in a rom-com's worth of budget and doubled the budget and try to get as big a peep as big a thing as possible. Um, and so with all that said, how much did this make in the box office? Uh
1: 215 million.
0: Cool. It's almost as if you've had a year of guessing.
1: Yeah. I um, better
0: 205.1 million. Dollars mm.
1: Damn that's, it, I was
0: going to go with 2.05 to begin with, when I upped it. That is the worldwide box office take. So they, you know, made double their pro- budget, but at the same time their budget was fucking huge, so therefore <laughs> it's a success. Um,
1: yeah, that's and Jesus. Then,
0: and then, of course, uh, Rotten Tomatoes has given this a score. It is based off of 157 reviews. What is the Rotten Tomato score for the holiday? Mm,
1: 60%. Close.
0: 50%. Like,
1: if you're going to have a 50% on there, they just don't even have a review. Like, come
0: on. <laughs> it is exactly right down the middle. Um, so, some of the reviews for this film... Uh, from the from Anthony Quinn of the Independent in the United Kingdom, on April of two thousand nineteen, he wrote, uh, "You begin to suspect that Nancy Myers isn't actually a movie director at all, but a features coordinator at World of Interiors." <laughs> and that's always the thing about Nancy Myers films. Everyone talks about how great things look, and like everyone talks about the kitchens and the interior design of. The set of like the houses in her films and how that's a storyline in and of itself. So that's her the that's actual, her little,
1: movie. that's her forte, that's her,
0: huh? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of what she's known for, along with making, you know, pretty good rom coms. Um, uh, Sukhdev Sandhu from the Daily Telegraph in the UK, he wrote, or they wrote, I'm, um, you know, they wrote, the holiday is as corny as it gets, but in a scape full of macho grunting and aggressive irony, Myers is perhaps right to believe that cornyness is what women and their boyfriends will be wanting.
1: That's definitely true.
0: Uh, Tom Beer of, of Time Out back in 2007 wrote, while the director tips her hat to classic Hollywood rom or Hollywood comedies, Iris watches Howard Hawks His Girl Friday for lessons in leading Lady Gumption, uh, for example. Uh, the holiday wallows in too much earnest relationship talk without saying much. Mm. And mm. then Ann Cohen of Refinery29. Uh, they wrote, What makes the holiday interesting and worth reexamining more than a decade after its release is that unlike most holiday themed movies, it exhorts the viewer to take time for themselves, not just others. It's the ultimate self-care flick. Yeah. Interesting thought. I dig that. Yeah. That's an interesting take on it. And that was the thing I was thinking about in this film. Uh, like this, this viewing of the film is that, you know, I try to figure out what have I noticed this time that I never noticed before. Right. Uh, And what I noticed this time is that three of the four leading characters are dealing with some sort of fuck boy or fuck girl in their life. (laughs) The other one who isn't is Graham, who was tragically widowed with two kids. Yeah. So, but all four of these leading people are, you know dealing with overcoming overcoming crap and then finding each other after overcoming it. You know what I mean? Um and I I, I think that,
1: to go even to go even further with that, I think something that they mentioned, I think it was in one of um one of Cameron Diaz's scenes. It's I don't remember exactly which scene it is. It's I think it's a scene where she's all obviously where she's all alone and she's got the the dialogue or the monologue of the of the movie trailer, yeah, the
0: voiceover guy, yep,
1: and uh, even he he puts it nicely. I thought where it's not a matter of will she, it's a matter of does she actually want to change. Yeah. So like we see all three of those characters not only faced with shit, then faced with a possible solution to that shit. Yeah but we see all three of them finally choosing to change their life for the better and that's always that's always a an extremely important step that i think i always fucking forget about in life where it's like well yeah. this shit is happening uh i guess i'll fucking deal with it in my own way but it's like oh no i actually have some control over it i can
0: no and i would i would argue all four 'Cause even Graham decides to not necessarily get drunk at the pub and bang out a random floozy. You Ooh, know. <laughs> that's true. But he opens himself back up to being with someone and not using his kids as an excuse to not pursue a relationship.
1: As he does say to her, to to Cameron Diaz's character at one point.
0: Yes. Where he exactly. gives
1: her that little monologue about explaining why he's been so uh what was it hesitant to fall in love before or invite someone into his life?
0: Yes, yeah, and totally right and that's that's something that you mentioned as well, like when we were her beforehand uh you mentioned how this movie is basically that you you got a different vibe from it than the first time you watched it because you're more of an adult. And this is the film is more of adulthood as opposed to being depressing, which is what you initially thought.
1: Yeah. I think back in 2006, I guess it probably would have been 2007 when I first saw it. But either way, freshman year of college, your mindset is not about these adult problems. So I'm sitting here going, this is not a fucking rom-com. Like
0: this is, this is depressing as hell. Um, Like look at this old man, like, marching toward death and looking at look at these yeah. sad sack losers who keep getting cheated on and look at this guy exactly. who lost his wife with two kids. That's fucking yeah. It's very easy to see the glass half empty in this film when you're younger.
1: Yeah. Well and it's just it's it was also when you're younger, like the age that we were when this came out, like uh it's hard to relate to a lot of the problems in their lives too. Where it's, yes. it's like, it's not only depressing to think about, like, Jesus, you guys' lives are horribly depressing. But also, when you're that age, you're thinking, well, I'm the exception to these rules. Like, that's <laughs> your guys' life, and you guys clearly fucked it up. So, I don't have time for this.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: And then and you get so, into your 30s, and you realize, no, nah, this is life.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And... That's where this film, I think that's why it keeps resonating with me. That's why I keep coming back to it during the holiday season. Yeah, I know this
1: is, this is one of your favorites to watch for Christmas, right?
0: Yeah. It's every year it's this and love actually. And the family stone, which isn't necessarily a rom-com. Maybe we'll do it next holiday season. If we start running out of movies, but I love the family stone, but it's a, it's it's hard to call it a rom com, um, in my opinion, but nonetheless, so those are the three movies I watch on, I watch on Christmas Day usually or sometime around Christmas Day, uh, but I always make sure to watch those three films, and yeah, including the holiday, and I, that's why I like what goes on in this film. Just the the interactions between the leads are just very, despite being in this like playful imaginary universe where there's home exchanges, they're very like grounded interactions. Like there's complications to falling in love with someone when you're on vacation. (laughs) It's Mm -hmm. (laughs) like, especially in the case of Amanda and Graham. And, you know, I think, we should separate the two storylines and talk about them separately, for the sake of the podcast. Uh, agreed, here, agreed. Agreed. And so, let's start with Amanda and Graham. Uh, so, Kate first K- thing I no, want to and, and, yeah, and Jude Law. Jude Law. Yeah. First thing I want to say right up front is something I said to you while we were watching the film. <laughs> I, I Jude. Read, Jude Law. It in this film (laughs) is the hottest male lead Uh, in the history of rom it's
1: not even close
0: it's not even close i say this as a fully heterosexual comfortable my sexuality male that jude law is a goddamn (laughs) panty dropper in this film he is throwing heat in this goddamn film and then Cameron Diaz... Uh, you didn't just is- say
1: heat, though. I mean, what was the analogy? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, and I, I, If you follow along with at Bro the Stone Pod on Twitter, I live-tweeted this as we were watching. I even put the gif of Randy Johnson oh, found throwing it? a fastball. <laughs> I put it on there, yeah. Uh, Randy Johnson throwing a fastball and hitting a bird and the bird disintegrating because it got hit by a fastball so fast. That... That's that the memory, kind of heat that Jude Law was throwing.
1: That memory alone has like scarred me against Randy Johnson since I was a kid. Like seeing that, <laughs> it like was a part of me that never – that that's, that memory ruined Major League Baseball for me as a dream. Like I was like <laughs> – I think when I saw that as a kid, I was like, all right, that's it. I don't want to be a Major Leaguer anymore because I'm not facing that shit. There's no yeah, way. It,
0: Especially because he's left handed and he was throwing it like it had, it was obviously coming back toward the plate, but where it left, it looked like it would be going straight at your ribs cage when yep. it leaves his hand.
1: Yep. And it exploded <laughs> the bird. It didn't kill it. Yeah. It exploded. Yeah.
0: yeah. Like it's breaking your ribs if it hits you in the ribs.
1: Jesus. So then yeah, you're standing there
0: in the batter. Yeah, and that's how fast the heat Jude Law is throwing with just his sex appeal in this film. And then, as I mentioned,
1: Jude Law's Law's sex appeal is so great, it will break your ribs.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And then Cameron Diaz is like, you are not attracted to her, but I am. She was one of my first crushes, actually, in film. Um, I remember seeing, it wasn't even the mask. I've never seen the mask, but I know she's in it. But it was from Commercials for Feeling Minnesota. <laughs> what? A movie I have not seen, but I remember the trailer commercials that I used to play when I was a kid, when I was seven or eight. I remember seeing Cameron Diaz in those commercials and thinking, wow, she's really pretty. And so Cameron Diaz, even though I never watched her films, but I didn't watch There's something about Mary either. I didn't watch pretty much anything she was in when I was in the 90s, but I remember thinking she's really pretty and she was one of my first on screen crushes. Um, Of course the first being Selma Hayek, but she was like right in that Selma Hayek tier for me growing up. So. That's a a great
1: departure from the Selma Hayek uh, archetype.
0: Hey, I contain multitudes. I think
1: think there's think
0: there's a lot. I believe there's a lot of things that make women beautiful. Uh, but uh, uh but nonetheless so i also am willing to say that this is the most physically attractive couple in rom-com history as well hmm. a
1: big... god we should we should at some point come up with a way to maybe not rank all of them but maybe like make our top yeah. five hottest rom-com couples
0: yeah i think that'd be fun and you could like we could could rate it
1: on physical attraction we could rate it on chemistry we could do whatever we want but i i think that yeah
0: because it is it would be a a very eye of the beholder type thing but nonetheless like i think that would be a fun exercise to look back at the movies we reviewed so far and then you know maybe we'll do a for like episode 100 it won't be a review of a podcast or a review of a movie but it'll be like an awards show I, that we do
1: i was just thinking something similar like having a special episode just devoted to that where it's like we both okay we both make like our top five alone we're putting it,
0: it we're putting it on wax because be, it's going to be next year around this time but episode 100 there you go we will come up with a whole award show And then we'll give out our awards. And then we can spend, I mean, we
1: spend the episode just like talking about like our justification for why we ranked the couple that way. And then the other person is like giving a shit about it, you know?
0: (laughs) And then depending on how adventurous I want to be, maybe I'll throw in clips from our previous episodes and things like that.
1: Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. It
0: it depends on how adventurous I want to be because that could be very time consuming. That could be. (laughs) But nonetheless. So I just want to get that out of the way right right away that this is the storyline that I physically enjoy looking at.
1: (laughs) Well, yeah, definitely comparatively to the other storyline. Yes, definitely.
0: And it's also the one that's mostly grounded in realism um, about the, you know, moving on after a spouse dies or, you know, overcoming emotional blocks and then having to deal with logistical issues within uh, romance and moving fast and ha- and dealing having to deal with the repercussions of moving fast but at the same time enjoying each other's company so much that you're frolicking in the woods and making out you know it all feels very real except for the actual actors because they're so attractive that it feels <laughs> unrealistic <laughs> What did you think of their storyline? I I think that was actually a pretty perfect
1: summary. Uh, I I mean, yeah, you don't get the same kind of uh, rose-colored rom-com set up to the relationship that you get in a lot of other movies where they're, you know, it's like puppy love. You know, after the meet cute, there's flirting. There's maybe there's some uh, eventual argument or something that you have to overcome, but it's very superficial and you inevitably overcome it in a cute way or you know, some conflict resolution at the very end kind of thing. But the rest of it is very rosy colored. And we don't get that here at all. We get it, like you said, a very real uh, relationship, or at least not a, not a relationship, but the beginning of one that is very, very much founded in problematic adulthood, <laughs> full of mm-hmm. fucking issues. Um, and I think she, she even, uh, Amanda, Cameron Diaz's character, immediately recognizes that. I think in one of their first encounters, when she says something like, I don't want this to become complicated. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sorry, but when you're like frolicking around a forest in high school or college, that's the last thing on your goddamn mind. Like you don't give two shits how complicated it gets. Yeah. Yep. You're just in the moment, but adulthood brain is thinking one, two, five, ten steps ahead. I mean, mm-hmm. she even brings that up later in, uh, in a conversation with Jude Law's character, Graham. She even brings that up again and says, you know, I leave in nine days. I, I'm i sitting there thinking nine days. That's like it's over a week. You got plenty of fucking time. That's amazing.
0: <laughs> I know that you meant like I said plenty of time. We just use fucking as like an adjective. But it's <laughs> fucking time. <laughs> That I, I still was like I get that that's an adjective but you can easily make that the verb <laughs>
1: Plenty of fucking time For
0: these two Because there, there was plenty of fucking going on between Guarantee of
1: time to bone down
0: There's plenty of fucking time for fucking time <laughs> You know
1: <laughs> I mean that's essentially all they were doing good.
0: You have two people
1: that attractive. Like, we need to push them together. Come on.
0: Yeah. Uh, Did you not see fucking Graham pointing out the brandy bottle and asking her if she fancied a glass?
1: Fancy a glass. Come on. Come on. Like Stop being so goddamn smooth.
0: (laughs) Just absolutely. Just, Just knickers on damp. Like, just... <laughs> <laughs> nickers. <sighs> oh, oh my God. Hang on to your nickers. <laughs> um, yeah, and then, of course, they then you know Olivia and Sophie end up being daughters and everything else like that. I I love the scene with the daughters. I mean, I like it's corny and everything else like that, but it. It's so. Well, it's a rom
1: com. It's supposed to be. It's so a. It's
0: yes. I as as Kate Winslet as Iris says at the end. I could use some corny in my life, and that's mm-hmm. what this film is. It's just give me the whole goddamn can of corn. All right, just I, I will eat it. Just open it with a can opener and eat it out of the can. Like that's how corny this film is. I'm I'm about it. i I want to see this film in my poop. The next day. <laughs> that's Jesus. how corny this film is. <laughs> uh. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yes, I, I liked,
1: I liked, you know, I liked like, them. I, I definitely liked their relationship. Um, yeah,
0: it, the whole three musketeers thing, and then he touches her hand because that's what she used to call herself with her parents when they went through it before the divorce and everything else. Yeah, like that.
1: that that whole scene sitting in that tent is amazing.
0: The, it's just all interwoven well. It, it you know it, it's just a a professionally written script. It's you know it's not necessarily you know. Uh, an academy award winning like oh my gosh this is exemplary writing and everything else like that it's just this is a professional writing a script exactly how you're supposed to write a script for this for this genre. you know what i mean this mm-hmm. is this well, is a, a well-constructed you know Door <laughs> on a, it, like the door is going to open, close, and lock and do everything exactly what a door is supposed to do, but it's just it's still a door, and you don't necessarily think about doors.
1: What <laughs> that, that,
0: I may be sitting, I may be sitting right by my bathroom door where my desk is, and that might have been why I came up with that as my analogy. <laughs> I was like, Are we're, you- gonna is- we're gonna just we're gonna. We're gonna We're going to power forward. We're going to power through. (laughs) I'm sober for this, guys. (laughs) This is me sober.
1: Uh, Not next week. Hopefully. Uh,
0: I think we'll do uh, what happens after after for each storyline. Oh, yeah, we should. We should. I'm on the I was on the fence coming into this viewing when I thought about what happens after after for these two. Because
1: do you want to go into it? Legitimately
0: now? the legitimately the logistics are troublesome. Like that it's it's hard and unfair to ask someone to uproot their life. Right. For a relationship. It, it, even if the relationship progresses further and everything else, it's hard to ask someone to do that or expect it from someone. And you can't really ask them to do it, but at some point you're going to have to do it and everything else like that. And initially, coming into this viewing of the film today, my thought was, I don't think they make it. After a while, they. I think what happens is what she says after meeting the kids, where in six months, you know, we realize... Or, or which happens after they've banged again the day after Christmas or whatever, where she's like, after six months, we realize it's just not working out. We call it quits sort of thing. That's what I initially thought coming into this. Right. But then I remembered what's currently going on and that I've worked <laughs> from home on my day job for now nine months on the laptop I'm currently recording this podcast on. Mm-hmm. And how much trailer making can be done remotely from anywhere in yep. the goddamn world? And where would she be made? Was.
1: If she made especially a cut she, room at home.
0: And, and especially if she owns the damn company.
1: Oh, she does? So,
0: yeah. She says that after the luncheon. She owns the trailer making company. Well, for fuck's sake. So. That's why I think at some point within that first year, she bites the bullet and she sells the company and they stay together. That's what I think happens after after I think she goes ahead and bites the bullet.
1: Do you what if she needs to stay in LA though? I mean, that is that is kind of very Spot specific for her career, you know? I mean, granted, she could do a lot of it remotely, I'm sure. But it does make a lot of sense to be located in L.A. versus, you know, somewhere in fucking rural England.
0: Well, that's where the second part of this comes through. Because Graham is a good man and everything else like that. I think they meet in the middle. And as a whole family, the four of them, they all move to New York.
1: The holiday can, too.
0: Because you can... <laughs> because you can easily, you know, publish books and work in publishing in New York for Graham. And you could work with film in New York. And
1: mm-hmm.
0: you're halfway between... Both places for whatever family gatherings. So I think they end up moving to New York after she sells her company.
1: I like it. That's that's what I want to hear. I like that. That's the the rom com ending I needed.
0: (laughs) If we're going to throw logic and everything else out the fucking window, then we're going to move them to New York for what happens after. I mean, why not?
1: What happens ever after? after, Ever after is always like (laughs) off the wall shit anyway. So. (laughs)
0: <laughs> but yeah i mean yeah that i think we've you know talked about that relationship plenty there let's go ahead and move on to the other relationship which has a few more moving parts and a few more characters to talk about here and that's between iris and miles
1: so is it be- is it between iris and miles because i'm convinced it's between <laughs> iris and her fuck boy <laughs>
0: let's start there so the whole beginning of this and the whole the real starter of this is the ultimate fuck boy in jasper bloom played well by rufus soul I'll, I'll, I'll admit that it's a performed well.
1: piece of shit
0: he is he is on another level of fuck boy he is Up there on Fuckboy for movies we've reviewed with Dex from Something Borrowed and with the dad in The Philadelphia Story. (laughs) Like, those are the top three Fuckboys that we've reviewed on this podcast so far. I forgot about the dad. (laughs) Honestly, yeah. (laughs) And honestly, I feel like he might be more of a Fuckboy than them. Like, he spent time. much sets a new
1: bar? Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, we spent too much time with Dex to like give the crown to Jasper. I think Dex is still the ultimate fuckboy, but Jasper's earned that silver medal in this goddamn film. Just he is he, remarkably an asshole. Like, he,
1: he, <laughs> a remarkable asshole. I agree. Remarkable asshole. Like, the amount of effort he must go into planning all of these manipulative moves to make sure that yes. he he completely fulfills his potential as an asshole it must be exhausting
0: because but, he's a, he's afraid of losing her but not necessarily but you don't watching have, her yeah you don't you don't want her but you're afraid to lose her cuz that's so, because that's fuck that's fuckboy 101 it's about control and ownership and not actual love and feelings for someone yep. else. As a, and you're and not and you don't look at women or whomever your partners are as an equal or a companion or you know an equal but you look at them as possessions
1: you look at them In yeah whether whether yeah. it's literally as possessions or not it's it's some it's some deep rooted fucking thing that you need. You need that in your life to help define who you are or Mm -hmm. to help fill in something that's missing from you. And it's like, dude, you got shit you need to work on if, if you need other people in your life to define you, you know, if you need to keep her around to fulfill some sort of little, I don't I don't even know what the fuck you're fulfilling at that point. Like
0: I mean, let's run down all the ways that he's a fuckboy in this film. So let's start at the beginning. He like off off screen before like the setup to everything is that he and Iris were begging and you know going out on dates, but then he starts up in a separate relationship with the woman who he ends up getting engaged to. He also gets off screen, gets engaged to her, but then goes and visits Iris in her office and shares a moment with her and accepts a gift from her and flirts with her openly before the engagement is announced to the entire holiday party that he stole away from to flirt with Iris. Yeah. So that's the first thing he does. Yeah. Then he keeps trying to reach out to her as she goes on this vacation to stop or to get like, rid of him. She tells him in an email, let me get over you, stop it. And then he continues to bother her, asks her to proofread his novel, which is a very fuckboy thing. (laughs) Totally. Like, hey, I've artistically made something and I need you to proofread it, or like, tell me it's good. Please. And then... And then, while he's asking her to proofread these pages, he then gets caught by his fiancee and has to act like she's someone else on the phone. Uh and then Jesus,
1: I'd forgotten about that.
0: Yeah, and then the best part as I sip my water is that he goes to LA the day like it's either a day or two days, you know, somewhere shortly after Christmas. So not on Christmas. Not to prove that's how important she is. I've given up spending time with family and my fiance to be with you, which would, you know, it'd be a fuckboy maneuver. But at the same time, it would also show some sort of form of commitment. No, he waits till after the holiday, in that little fleshy part between the Christmas and New Year's, <laughs> to then fly across kind or fly internationally to go see her in L.A. and to say, I mean, I flew all the way over here to come see you. But you did it after the holidays when you hadn't, you know... And you're still
1: engaged.
0: And he's still engaged. And he's even trying to make plans about sneaking away to Venice.
1: Yeah. God, isn't this girl lucky to have him?
0: And then finally when Iris gets that gumption and she kicks him out, it's a fantastic moment. And the arm raises earned she finally figured it out she finally got through it kudos it's about time thank goodness i feel like there should have been more than her telling him to get the hell out and pushing him out i wish i know they wouldn't have done this in the film but i wish at some point she would have just kicked him in the balls or something physical (laughs) i mean i
1: i kept threatening his genitalia throughout the movie as we were watching i I think he needed that
0: yeah, like Ethan, when Amanda and Ethan break up, Ethan got hit in the face twice with a two-hitter, right-handed cross, right-hand cross from Amanda. Right, right, and like she didn't even ice her hand afterward. Like that's how, like, she how much of a punch she got damn back.
1: Well, I mean, but, like you said, she's straight out like, doing the 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 uh, Charlie's Angels. So I mean, she was ready. I mean,
0: exactly. She yeah, she, she threw ready. them shits. She threw them shits with authority. You know what I'm yeah. saying? She Mike Tyson but Iris didn't get that opportunity. And I feel like Iris should have gotten an opportunity to like hit him with a chair,
1: <laughs> just a casual nudge with a chair across. The
0: <laughs> yeah. Just a steel chair to the dome. <laughs> he, he, he uses a blade, get some color, <laughs> you know, all wrestler, all professional wrestling terms here. <laughs> but yes, uh, yeah, Jasper.
1: I feel like he, he was a joined... character for her, but yeah, I, yeah. I, I, she deserves some of redemption. Yeah,
0: but Jasper, welcome to the Fuckboy boy hall of fame. As God. I mentioned, you're you there alongside man. you're there alongside Dex from Something Borrowed and the father from the Philadelphia Story. So, congratulations on your induction.
1: God.
0: Uh, I mean, uh, fuck it. <laughs> it is iris and miles but i think i feel before we get to miles we should get to the second man in this in the storyline here which is arthur
1: oh yeah
0: max break it down how great is arthur
1: arthur is the fucking shit okay yep every one of us needs an arthur in his life his or her Yep. Life. like that's that's the kind of fucking role model and mentor I need every goddamn second of every goddamn day. <laughs> and the fact that she, she said it perfectly that she, she what she'd been going to therapy for five <laughs> years or something.
0: She said three years of therapy and no one has broken it down. So eloquently. And also so brutally <laughs> Exactly, it's perfect. Like that's in my head,
1: that's, how I reason through life is I just imagine some like old man, mentor, grandfather role model type figure in the back of my mind, just going, the fuck are you doing, dude? Come on, get your shit yes. together. And that's my motivator. I think we all need him. Albert is amazing.
0: I, I never had a relationship with my grandparents. Uh My, Three of my grandparents passed away by the time I was 10. And then my last grandparent passed away when I was a freshman in college. So never had a relationship with any of them. Never really knew them or anything like that. Me neither. I feel like if I did have one of those grandparent relationships where you actually like cry at their funeral like other people did, at theirs I'm assuming, it would be with someone like Arthur. Like He is someone I wish was my granddad. Easily. Or like my great granddad. Totally. Like well, yes, yeah. he's I he's mean,
1: so full of like wisdom <laughs> and knowledge locked up in there. And he, he that's the beautiful thing of like I don't want to keep saying like old people. <laughs> but, <laughs> but like in this context, that's mm-hmm. the beautiful thing of this role is that you have someone that's from an older generation from so many more decades, more of accrued knowledge and wisdom that there is no filter left anymore. It's just raw, unfiltered advice and wisdom that is just, it's not even advice and wisdom. It's just fact. It's just like, mm-hmm. Hey, I've been alive 70, 80, 90 plus years. This is what I've learned. I'm not mm-hmm. fucking sugarcoating it. Yeah. Like this is the way things are. That's it. That's the person we all fucking need to sit us down once in a while and just be like, look, here's the fucking deal. (laughs) Yeah. And then walk us through our emotional bullshit because our rational sides of us when we're younger get in the way far too many times.
0: And then on top of all that, he also helped write some of the greatest films in Hollywood, well, at least within the storyline. I mean, not in real life, but. But like he helped write those films and like so the, the stories he has to tell and everything else like that, it just he he's he's top notch. He's top notch, a one, and the way he speaks about his you know his wife mm-hmm. uh, and the way he loved her
1: yeah. and everything
0: else like that, just it's inspiring. He he is he is a top notch man, just top notch, a one man. Oh, I man, also
1: like the little the little reminder of the rom com atmosphere that we got from him that he like. He actually labels their meat cute as a meat cute.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he's, he's. Yeah, perfect. he's like the. He's the little, you know, the sage, the the wise exactly. old man who guides us through the film and. I feel like someone else who's a a good man in this film, and that's the other thing. The, there's there's good men in the leading roles, because um, Graham's a good man, Arthur's a good man, and Miles is a good man. That's and a good point.
1: That's a good. Let's point. get uh-huh.
0: let's get to Iris, <laughs> Iris and Miles. Where first off, I love their meet cute with the Santa Ana winds and the way he gets the thing out of her eyelash and the way that they. They immediately have a vibe between the two of them, and they're just two very, you know, effervescent people. But you know, she could be a little reserved; he could be, you know, out there, and they kind of bring out the best in each other. I just love their dynamic, and it yeah. really shows. And what they had a very hate, good dynamic. One thing I hate is that I've heard other podcasts or like other. Reviews of this film talking about how Jack Black is miscast in this role, and that they shouldn't have had him in this role. He doesn't belong with Kate Winslet, yada yada blah blah, and all those people are so fucking wrong. Jack Black is fantastic for this role, and I love how he he and Kate Winslet are on screen. Loved him.
1: Yeah, I I that's another thing. Come to think of it, when I first saw it, that I remembered. Noting to myself as well that Jack Black just seemed. I mean, when you've got someone like Cameron Diaz and and Jude Law and even Kate yes. Winslet, like fresh out of yes. not fresh out of Titanic, but you know from Titanic, like
0: mm-hmm.
1: you got these three like
0: gorgeous movie stars. Yes, like, like these.
1: Exactly, yeah. they carry a lot of weight to them when they come into the movie, and then you put Jack Black. Then, not to downplay him, but I mean, it's just a different caliber. It's not someone you would expect. Exactly. It's just not not someone you would expect to be in that role. Mm -hmm. Um, And and because it's Jack Black, of course. Retrospectively, for us looking back, seeing of all the shit he's done since, where he rarely plays that kind of role to begin with, it's tough Mm -hmm. to like get past that and say, "All right, this Mm -hmm. is Jack Black, but it's a different Jack Black. It's a different role." But once you do, now that I've seen it as an adult, if you do get past that and you try to view him as what he is in the movie, which is, you know, a, a, a I guess a songwriter or a, a
0: what do they call a, a, a Film composer. like Film
1: composer. A, a, yeah. Um, you know, so someone who's a creative type, but is also obviously like got a little bit of reservations to himself, some... Maybe some, you know, some insecurities, obviously bubbling up when he's to always yes. talking about like, you know, why is she, I can't believe what she sees in me, you know, mm-hmm. about the girlfriend mm-hmm. that eventually ends things. Cheats on
0: him. Yeah.
1: She, yeah, cheats on him.
0: Which, so like, well, this is all. This is all we'll say about Maggie. I mean, she gets like five lines in the film. She sucks. She's stupid and she's horrible. Yeah, and she's she's,
1: she's the it. she's the fuck boy of the female world in that movie. Yeah, so. she's the
0: fuck. She's the fuck girl. The she's the fuck girl. The the, the not seen very often fuck girl. So fuck her anyway. <laughs> continue.
1: On. Yeah, that's all the attention she de- she deserves. Um, yeah. But yeah, I I think once you get past that and you try to like immerse yourself in that storyline a little bit i think he actually fits it fairly well um i still walk away with a similar distaste in my mouth going god i wonder if there there would have been a better casting choice for that role but i can't think of one off the top of my head and i don't have too many complaints against jack black in this role so
0: i just feel like that role and what it like Jack Black made that role his. I don't know who else or like I don't know what that role looks like if you bring someone else in. He did and I don't know he who
1: did act his heart out in it.
0: That I don't you have know, to give
1: him credit for.
0: I don't know who else you bring in at that time. So if we're talking like O five, O six and you know they've got Jude Law and Cameron Diaz on one end and they got Kate Winslet, then you know who's the other person that you bring in at that time? Uh, you know, is it? Uh, yeah. See, I like mean, I
1: said, I can't even come you, up with. Yeah. On my you, head.
0: Like Brad. Brad Pitt's too big. Matt Damon's too big. George Clooney's too big. Like those are all like the big, big. I'm big I'm thinking it's
1: got to be like a it's got to be like a Mark Ruffalo type. It's got to yeah, be it, someone a little more demure, a little more like shy. I, But also creative and outgoing. Somehow,
0: I like Mark Ruffalo could have played that. But at the same time, I don't feel like he brings the same comedic factor that Jack Black brought. He's not making the same jokes. He's not providing the same like his. That's the thing that Jack Black provides in this film is you know the the way that he provides the levity to the situations. That's what makes him so you know, so attractive is this sense of humor in this film is that every time you're with him, he makes you laugh. And that's why she's, that's why Iris is attracted to him because every time she's around him, she laughs.
1: Mm, And and that's so so we're moving past the superficial form of a rom-com male lead where it's like, let's just introduce some gorgeous, perfect Prince charming that the girl is eventually going to win over and Oh, perfect. We have the perfect rom-com. Instead, we have a different form of reality with with, uh, Graham and Amanda's storyline. We get the reality of all the complications they're dealing with in a long-term relationship and children and all that shit that we've already talked about. But with them, we get the reality of like, well, not every person is going to be a princess or a prince, you know? You, you're normal people with normal lives and, and you still mm-hmm. want to be loved.
0: And I mean, and also that along with the fact that the, as I mentioned previously, Graham and Amanda just seem like it, as it's like this grounded realism with unrealistically good looking people.
1: Yeah. Like
0: well they're the they're the like
1: i said they're the typical rom-com leads you need the attractive people to give the audience hope it's like oh yeah like i i want to like fall in love with a cameron diaz or a jude law like you want to have hope that that your jude law or your cameron diaz is out there and i think maybe that's where jack black may have fallen flat from a critic's perspective simply because he's not the stereotypical like dashing rom-com male lead
0: yeah i just i mean they could have gone the route of like uh, i mean they could have put john krasinski in that role i guess i mean he was in the movie um they could have technically he would be he
1: would be a more contemporary uh, version of that yeah
0: yeah although but just like the comedy he'd be bringing to it would be something completely different. You have to completely rewrite scenes. Like you do not have the blockbuster scene. You do not have, you know, yeah, like that's true. the, the, the dinner scene might work with John Krasinski, but like he, you know, but yeah, you kind of have to work that differently. I mean, there's just, there's a lot, a lot of things that are, like, is he a film composer at that point? Like, because Jack Black actually has some musical chops, so it kind of felt a little more lived in with Jack. Like, you just have to completely rewrite the part. I feel like for this part, for who Miles is in this film, Jack Black is perfect. And you have to just completely rewrite the part along with recasting it. And I feel like that, why would you do that? I feel like it's good as it is.
1: Yeah. I mean, like I said, aside from the superficial stuff of, of fitting into the rom-com formula, I think Jack Black works. Like I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't forcibly change it.
0: Yeah. Uh, Although I, I do I'm not, acknowledge that. I'm, like, not even, I'm not even hung up on the superficial thing. Cause I mean, I think Jack Black's probably at his most physically attractive as well in his career in this film. Um, yeah. He's, He's in, you know, pretty good shape and he's yeah, kind of clean he shaven and everything else he like that. Was. He was, yeah, he was definitely in a good look. And he's a, that he's like you
1: said, he's a totally likable guy in the movie. Like he's he's a very just I don't want to say normal because normal is I, I'm starting to hate that word. What the yeah, fuck there's
0: no there's no such thing as normal.
1: Um, yeah. Why do we even have that word in our language? But
0: I, I don't know
1: Um He's he's just a very down-to-earth uh, average, I guess. There we go. Average person. And I think, again, like pairing with Jude Law and Cameron Diaz, you kind of need a character like that. Mm-hmm. To kind of like bring the movie back down to earth a little bit.
0: <laughs> yeah. I agree. So what happens after ever after with these two i feel like these ones it's more clear cut that they're still together and yeah know, yeah I, I, he can make film he can make music for films anywhere like he definitely doesn't have to be in la for that he could always travel to la if need be and also she can write society with like pages like new york has a huge you know engagements and weddings thing and like the the papers there so i feel like they probably end up in new york as well
1: um, that's what the holiday two is man next yeah the, the the holiday the holiday two season. Is, yeah the four of
0: them the four of them in new york live in their lives
1: and that plot we get to focus on the friendship that develops between amanda and iris
0: no it's about the two grown-up daughters now finding love not their own and their early 20s in new york
1: oh that i was picturing it being like the following the following oh. christmas season like the year later
0: <laughs> yeah i mean i think we're a little late for that yeah probably i i know you're thinking like metaphorically well I'm yeah, yeah 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 but nonetheless uh let's get to the kisses of the movie there's obviously we got to do two of them because there's one for each romantic storyline here. right right the two kisses of the film the first kiss let's start with grand amanda because that's where we started with at the beginning um and that is I, the,
1: that's the first kiss we see right
0: i think so yeah uh yeah i yeah it is uh, as far as the two couples um it's hard to say what the, i guess the because like it's there's an initial kiss, but then there's multiple kisses because there's the whole. She asked him to do it again, and then there's so like, is it the whole scene <laughs> or is it the initial kiss of the lips? Like that's what's hard to judge. This it's I mean it is the night he comes in completely drunk as hell, and then like they kiss. Yeah, him.
1: that's true.
0: It, it's just because like for me the. Best point of the kisses is when like she has her eyes closed and then he kisses her eyes and then they start making out. Like that was the one where even you said this is porn. (laughs) Like this is so hot, (laughs) it's porn. That
1: was an intense makeout scene. Yeah,
0: that was like it is hot as hell. I was, I was
1: getting like flustered. Like my skin was flushing. Like I was, I was,
0: I was. Clutching my damn pearls, my heavens. And they're just like goodness. I had the
1: fan out, I was waving it.
0: Yeah. Whew. Yeah. Whew. Absolutely. It's just I mean, just that whole I'm mean, gonna just say that whole scene. Like that whole scene gets an A for me. Like it's just it's top it's notch. Damn
1: good scene. Yeah.
0: Top notch, just just I, everything say, you look for in I'd a hot that's scene.
1: That's our kiss. Yeah. That's the one to review because that's – that's yeah, that's an A for me. I mean, yeah, we both give it an
0: A. It's, it's
1: not quite on the Italian level, <laughs> but it's close. It's creeping up yeah. there. Yeah. It's showing promise. Yeah. Like next it's year it might okay. get promoted to the major leagues.
0: Yeah. And then the – you know, one of the last kisses of the film is – What I think is Iris and Miles' kiss, which is uh, when they kiss at the award ceremony or the honoring of Arthur when they kiss after he asks if he could be her date on New Year's Eve in in English.
1: Yeah. So she's his date and she goes off and kisses someone else? Come on. Jesus. Poor Arthur.
0: God damn it. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, it took me a second. Like, what the fuck are you talking Oh <laughs> ah, That's funny. Good one. Um, and, yeah, I mean, Arthur was going to get over the dress boob action and everything. And now look at it. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, God. God I right. <laughs>
1: was really rooting for him.
0: <laughs> oh, We're the worst. Uh, anyway. <laughs> I love how simple it is and like the, the joy. And then I even like the little fist pump because it's corny, but at the same time we've established that we need some corny in our life from like two minutes ago when she said that if that all works for me. I give it a B plus.
1: I, I mean, I I'd give it a solid B minus. I mean, it's, it's cute. The the whole yeah the whole context of it is cute and the little fist pump I like because it's like you know we all need a little corniness in our lives. Damn right. The kiss itself obviously leaves a lot to be desired, especially after the like you know X rated kiss we saw earlier in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah.
0: All right. Well uh let's go to the verdict i think we all know what i'm gonna say uh i'm a, i marry this film i love this film it's i watch it every year i will continue to watch it every year around this time of year so it's a marry for me what about you
1: i think it's it's definitely a fuck for me like it's definitely worth watching it's a good rom-com uh it, it it's, as long as you break out of the expectation of that it's going to be a typical rom-com. I, well, even again, typical is another word like normal where it's like, what is typical? I'm getting weirdly metaphysical here now. Uh, it's not, it it doesn't follow the same rules as a lot of the rom-coms that we watched, but it definitely has a good vibe to it, a good message to it, several good messages to it. Um, you know, letting people into your life, letting people go from your life, choosing to take control of your life. Um, The whole self-love aspect of it is a great message. So it's definitely got a lot to it that's worth seeing at least once.
0: There you go. So you can find us on our socials on Instagram at Bromancing the Stone Podcast. That's all one word together, Bromancing the Stone Podcast. And then on Twitter at Bro the Stone Pod. That's B R O T H E S T O N E P O D. And that's where you can find me live tweeting these movies when we watch them. And then you can find me on Twitter at Supermarket Sweep without the E in super. So S U P R, Market Sweep. And on Instagram, at Relusa88. That's R-E-L-U-S-A 88. And Max?
1: On Instagram, you can find me at the Lionhearted, T-H-E, period, L-Y-O-N-H-E-A-R-T-E-D. And on Twitter, you can find me at the Lionhearted with an underscore, T-H-E, underscore, L-Y-O-N-H-E-A-R-T-E-D.
0: There you go. And then next week on Monday the 28th, we will be reviewing New Year's Eve. It was the film that was done after Valentine's Day, uh, so a big old cast of people, some from Valentine's Day, make it over to New Year's Eve as well as different characters. That's a, it's movie a whole. I seen a while either I saw it when it was in theaters. We'll see how I feel about it now. It's, I mean, it. I enjoyed it when I watched it, but I also understood that it was not of the greatest quality so right, right. i was just like one of those where it's just like i i had fun you know so yeah it's one of those how, entertaining
1: yeah. rom-coms not a not a yeah. real thinker rom-com
0: yeah it, it's yeah we're gonna see how this goes so um and that will be our new year's eve episode just because that'll be the last one but so i guess I this is our you know, this is officially you, or
1: unofficially our christmas episode
0: yes uh although you know if you subscribe or follow the podcast there might be something on christmas day Where love actually there might be you know just keep your eyes out just no, keep, just your, keep, eyes keep out. your eyes out. So, uh, but until then for the tens and tens of listeners we love y'all we thank you for listening and have yourself a merry little christmas
1: merry christmas everyone